0: Welcome to another edition of Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church. We're so glad you chose to listen with us today, and we pray your life will be blessed through the following message. When we begin to spend time with the Father, then we begin to understand His thoughts, and His thoughts become our thoughts, and His ways become our ways, and His mindset becomes our mindset. His desires become our desires. When we listen to God and we receive his blessings, we lack nothing. Ever struggle keeping things in perspective? We all do, especially when our routine gets changed. Kids are home when they're supposed to be at school. Your commute to work just shortened to the home office, or if you're like me, the dining room. And in some cases, you've been temporarily furloughed from your job. Groceries are scarce and people around you are starting to panic. Or maybe you yourself are panicking. In times like these, it can be difficult to recognize all the blessings from God. But life is a journey, and every good journey has obstacles. Just look at the Israelites and their journey to the promised land. In today's message, we'll look at the spiritual correlation between the land promised to the Israelites and the blessings God has promised to me and you. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. You know, God's blessed us richly, and I think we see that Uh, from time to time. But I want us to get to where we see that every day, every minute. And so I just want to talk to you today briefly about how to possess God's blessings. I want to talk with you today out of Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter, beginning in in the 10th verse. And it says, For the land into which you are entering to possess it is not like the land of Egypt from which you came, where you used to sow your seed and water it with your foot like a vegetable garden, But the land into which you are about to cross to possess it, a land of hills and valleys, drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it, from the beginning even to the end of the year. Let me give you just a little bit of background on the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, First of all, it is the fifth book of the Bible. It is the final book in the Torah, and it takes place after the Exodus in Egypt. Uh, The Israelites spent a year at Mount Sinai, And during that time, they were making a covenant with God. The name of the book comes from the Greek word Deuteronomion, which means second law. It's actually the second law that came down. It has a lot of laws repeated from Exodus, but it does contain contain some new laws for the Israelites. And the point of the laws and the purpose of them was to distinguish the Israelites from their neighbors. It was meant to hold them to a higher standard of justice. And as Moses delivered one of his sermons in chapter 11... He was beginning to let the Israelites know that they needed to be more faithful to the covenant than the previous generation. You know, the Israelites were about to go into the promised land that was currently occupied by the Canaanites, where idol gods were worshipped and represented all aspects of creation. They represented idols that that represented the sun, the weather, war, etc. And Moses knew that worshipping these gods or these idols would denigrate, they would degrade Uh, humans, and they would destroy communities. And he also knew that worshiping the God of Israel, who the Creator and Redeemer was and is, would lead to life and blessing. And so he wanted to make sure as he delivered his sermon to the Israelites that day that they understood just what was on the line. You know, it's interesting to me that in verse 10 it says that uh, you're going to enter and to possess. He didn't say, do you want to? It was not a question. It was a statement of fact. You are entering, and you will possess it. You know, sometimes we just need to remember that it's not a question as a Christian. God's telling us to go in and possess the land. And I believe that although this sermon was delivered to the Israelites, the Scriptures here have a spiritual correlation to our lives today. You know, there is a promised land for each and every one of us. And I'm not just talking about uh, heavenly, eternal life stuff. I'm talking about physical uh, land, physical things to possess. The Israelites weren't going into an imaginary land. They weren't just going into a spiritual land. They were going into a physical land that gave them physical blessings. We have that same opportunity today, and that's why I believe there are spiritual correlations between what happened in chapter 11 of Deuteronomy and what we go through today. So how do we know what land, quote-unquote, we're supposed to possess? Again, like I said, it's not just a heavenly land. We're supposed to all possess that. God's made that promise to us that if we would just accept His Son, that we could have eternal life. But He also said that we could have life more abundantly. He wasn't just talking about heaven. He was talking about the here and now. And the Bible is full of scriptures that teach us how to live that abundant life. When you ask yourself questions like, should I quit my job and go into ministry full time? Should I take that promotion? You know, sometimes we're offered promotions and we shouldn't always take them. Should we buy a particular house or a car? What about putting our kids on different sports teams or in academic teams? or dramas? Do we just do that because that's the norm and that's what we do here in America and all across the world? Or do we consult God and and think about what He wants us to do? What land does He want us to be a part of? Does He want us to be on this sports team? You know, when my kids were growing up, it was an awfully difficult decision. And I can't say that I always made the correct decision. Sometimes we let them play sports on Sundays and then I felt bad afterwards. And eventually I began to realize that it just wasn't more important than church. And so we began to tell the coaches that, you know, we love this team. We want to be a part of this team. But Levi or Eddie or Hunter could not be a part of the team on Sundays until after church had ended. And then sometimes it was not at all because we needed church and for God to have a bigger priority. That's a decision that we made. And I think that God's probably put that decision on all of you uh, that are listening and paying attention and, and, and hearing the words right now. It's not an easy decision unless we can get it clear that we're, we're, we're doing what God wants us to do. If we know what we're hearing from God, I think it's easy for all of us. If God's standing right before you today and he says, I want you to do this, and you know it's God, and he says this, I doubt you would have a problem obeying his word, obeying what he told you to do. The problem comes in knowing what God wants us to do. That's why we spend so much time praying and seeking his face and trying to understand what he has for us. We've got to draw closer to Him. You see, Romans 12.2 says that we should not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That we can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're in this world, but we shouldn't be of this world. We shouldn't be going along with the status quo. We shouldn't be going along with the flow. We should be setting the standard. During this time of, of uncertainty and panic and fear in our world, Christians should be setting the standard and showing the rest of the world how to live your lives. You should not be operating in fear. There's nothing wrong with operating in caution, but only you know what you're operating in. Only God knows what you're operating in. If you're operating in fear, stop operating in fear today. In order to have the most abundant life possible and to possess the land that God has for us now, we have to know Him. We got to know the Father. We got to know His will for us so that we can embrace it, so that we can accept it, so that we can possess it. We know it when we spend time with Him. When we begin to spend time with the Father, then we begin to understand His thoughts, and His thoughts become our thoughts, and His ways become our ways, and His mindset becomes our mindset. His desires become our desires. You know, I'm reminded of the Scripture that we quote all the time that says, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open." But there's another Scripture in James that says, You have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask of selfish motivation. If we would get in line with the Father, you can rest assured that every request you have of God would be answered. Why? Because your request would be God's request. Your heart would be what's on God's heart. Your thoughts would be what's on God's mind. It would be the same so you'd have the assurance that everything you asked for would be answered. You know, getting to know someone takes time. We don't just accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and poof, we have an ultimate understanding of Him right that second. We don't. We've got to spend time with him. You know, I'm reminded of the time that Tammy and I've been spending together for the last 24 plus years. We've been married 24 years, and then we started dating I guess about a year and a half, 2 years before that. And I would say over the past 24 years, Tammy definitely knows me better than I know myself. I would say that I know her pretty well. I don't know that I know her better than I know her than she knows herself. But she definitely knows me better than I know myself. But I do know a few things about her. I know that she prefers to read books instead of go to the movies. I know that she prefers not to eat Chinese food. But I also know she would allow us to have Chinese food every once in a while because she knows I like it. And I know that my wife is very sacrificial in her giving. We've had conversations such as, you eat first. I'm having to tell her to quit feeding me and the boys before she feeds herself. I'm having to tell her that it's okay for her to go get a new pair of shoes because she looks like the Flintstones she's walking on bare feet. That it's okay to have something for herself. It's so hard to get her to think about herself. But I know that about her. Why? Because I've been spending time with her. We have spent so much time together now that I would honestly say that Tammy knows me better than my own mother. Now good thing Mama's not here. I don't know if she's watching online, but thankfully I can't hear comments or feedback. So I don't really know what she's saying. But the truth is, whether Mama wants to admit it or not, Tammy has spent so much time with me that she knows me better than even my own mother does. That's the way we have to approach the Lord. We have to spend so much time with Him that we know what He's thinking. But unfortunately, what happens to all of us, and I have to raise my hand, is we put a little check mark because we read and we prayed today. We read a chapter. We prayed for half an hour. We prayed for an hour. There are 24 hours in a day. Take the eight hours out that you sleep if you're lucky enough to get eight hours of sleep, and there's still 16 hours in a day, and you just checked off a box that took care of maybe an hour and a half. Let's go two hours. I'll be generous. What are you doing for the other 14 hours? I wish I could turn around and see myself as well and say, Herman, what are you doing with the other 14 hours? <laughs> I prayed this morning that my words would be God's words, and unfortunately when you do that, sometimes you preach things that are kicking your tail as well. And the reality is that I don't spend as much time with God as I should. However, I want you to know something. Over the last year and a half, I've been exposed to way more prayer meetings than I ever used to go to. I've heard more messages than than I've ever heard in my life. I have been in the presence of God more over the last year and a half, partly because of the job that I have now. But what I have noticed is that the more time I have begun to spend with the Father the more I'm beginning to feel his presence and the more I'm beginning to hear what he wants. Let me give you an example. I'm having a really tough time watching television lately. And I have wasted a lot of money here recently trying to find a movie that I wanted to watch. I've rented a movie, get part of the way through it, and they drop the third F-bomb, and I just can't do it anymore. I used to overlook that stuff. I can't do it anymore. God gets all over me and just starts convicting me so bad because I know I shouldn't be watching that. I I can't even watch certain television shows anymore, even if they don't drop all these cuss words because they're just not healthy for me. Why? Because I wanted to do that partly, but more because I've been in the presence of God so much lately that it's just all over my spirit. I can't help it even if I wanted to. Trust me, I've tried. I told you I'm wasting some money on movies. I start watching it and I just I start, you know, moving around and fidgeting and I, I just can't do it. I have to turn it off. You know, that's how we should all be. We should be getting to that point where we're spending so much time with God that when we get in the presence of something that we shouldn't be watching or being around, we know it. We've talked a lot in this church about how to spot counterfeit. Spotting counterfeit doesn't mean you learn all of the counterfeit ways. The best way to spot counterfeit is to be so familiar with the real that the counterfeit sticks out like a sore thumb. The more that we learn about Jesus, the more that we understand his character, the more that we understand who he is, the more that we are going to spot counterfeit. When it talks about being able to spot false prophets and false teachers, we don't have to be on guard to know whether or not they're a false teacher or a false preacher by studying every false teacher out there. If we'll learn who the Father is and draw close to Him, they will stick out like a sore thumb. When they begin to preach against the Word of God, you're going to know it because you're going to know the heart of the Father. You're going to know what His Word is, and you're going to be able to spot the false prophets and the false teachers. It's not going to be difficult. The more we draw into God, the easier this life becomes. It may not sound right to you. You think, i got trials, i got tribulations. You're right. But the more we draw into God, the more we draw closer, the more we spot those trials and tribulations, and He's given us ways to overcome those. You see, that's part of the blessings that we have. We have so many blessings in our lives. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 11, and let's look at the 11th and 12th verse. It says, But the land into which you are about to cross to possess it, A land of hills and valleys drinks water from the rain of heaven. A land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning even to the end of the year. It says a land for which the Lord your God cares. Notice he said you're coming out of a land that you've cared for. Look at the spiritual correlation to that right there. The Israelites were coming out of a physical land that they had been caring for and entering into a land that God had been caring for. I don't know about you, but I would much rather enter into the land that God has cared for than the one I've cared for. I've told you many times about the blessing of my car. I hope you're not getting sick of it, but I don't care if you are. I'm going to tell you again and again and again because it's a realization to me of the blessings of God. You see, when Tammy and I were looking for a car, we were praying and we were seeking God. And we were trying to find out what we needed to do in that situation. And there were a couple of times we thought we had found the right vehicle. But God orchestrated it such that it didn't work out for us. In the old days, when I was trusting in myself for a car, I got into great debt. I'd buy cars that didn't hold up or last. I did things where I had to do a lot of work and care for it out of my own strength. And I'm not saying that God didn't bless me through those times. There are many times where the money that I needed to fix a car just showed up. And I I see that as a blessing from God. However, the current car that I have was something God picked out, something God cared for. We've had that car checked out. All we've heard back is, man, that car is nice. It's in great working order. Something God set aside for us. And you know what? I don't have to worry about taking care of that car. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have to do oil changes and take it to the shop every once in a while and buy tires. That's not what I mean. But I can trust that my God who provided me that car is going to take care of it, just like he told the Israelites. This is a land that God had cared for. You know, as your old self, you had to solve problems in your own strength and with your own hand. You had to worry about your family, your parents, your spouse, your siblings, your brothers, sisters, you had to worry about their health, their finances, their overall well-being. Notice I said had to. Maybe you're worried about it today. You shouldn't be. You see, when you step into the land that God cares for, He takes over. He has a land that you will enter and possess it. And I speak that right now in your life in the name of Jesus. It's a land which has been cared for by God. A land which has the eye of the Lord from morning morning tonight from beginning to end, a land where God will solve the problems in his strength. He will take care of you and your family, your spouse, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your kids. He'll take care of their health, their finances, their overall well-being. He'll take care of your job, your finances, your car, and your mortgage. He'll take care of you. Let's look at some scriptures that show us this and how God cares for us. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The first thing God does for us when we accept Him as Lord and Savior is He makes us brand new. You know, sometimes we just need to wipe the slate clean. Sometimes things are not working out. And we just need to start over. This is a fresh start. It's a clean slate. God makes you new. That's the first thing He does for you. He wipes away all of the past sins and misgivings and misdeeds. He didn't think about it. He didn't bring it up again. You're brand new. Then in James 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Another version says steadfastness. But let that patience or steadfastness have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's the key there. When we listen to God and we receive His blessings, we lack nothing. Then you look at Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus." Through times of fear, through times of a pandemic, through times of food shortages, God will give us that peace that passes all understanding. You see, he provides for us. He makes us new. We lack for nothing. And he provides us peace no matter what's going on. That's what our God does for us. That's what happens when you accept him. It reminds me of a story of a little boy who went shopping with his mama and when they got done shopping, they went up to the counter, and the attendant there had a, had a jar of suckers. And he pulled out this huge jar of suckers and set it on the counter, and he told the little boy, he said, reach in and grab a big old handful, the biggest handful you can grab. So the kid reaches his hand in, and he does pull out a few suckers, but not the maximum he can carry. And the guy behind the counter sees this, and he says, no, son, let me help you out. And he reaches in, and, man, he just grabs just a massive handful, picks it out and hands it to the kid. More than the kid can really carry kid with a smile on his face, he's bouncing out the store. And his mom looks at him as they get out the store, and she's kind of puzzled. She says, you know, you've never really done that. Normally when people offer you something, you're digging in head head first. So why did you hold back? Why did you only grab a few out? He looked up at his mom, and he smiled, and he said, I saw that man had much bigger hands than I did, mama. (laughs) We need to remember that God's hands are much bigger than our own. And when he blesses us, he provides way more than we could ever imagine or hold in our own hands. Let me give you some examples here. First of all, let me show you Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. God says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He set it before us. He didn't curse us, he didn't give us death. He set it before us so we could choose. He gave us life. It tells us that in Genesis. He created us. That's one of the blessings of God we're supposed to possess. What do you mean? How do you possess that? You already exist, exactly. You already exist. You need to recognize the fact that God made you. And then my favorite saying is God made you special and He loves you very much. It may come up for cartoon, but it spoke volumes to me. But God did that for you too. He made you, He made you special. He provided salvation. John 3.16 tells us that. He made a way. I'm going to tell you what I did last night. I don't know if it was a smart thing to do, but I rewatched The Passion of the Christ. Now I want to tell you something. It was a little hard for me to talk afterwards. I'm not going to say I cried, but I definitely had a lump in my throat. But you begin to get a realization, a visual realization of what God went through just so we could have salvation. Uh, unreal. I mean, when they're beating Him, that scene where they're beating Him, I mean... I had to pause it for a minute. I just couldn't handle it because I realized my Savior took that on Himself for me to give me an opportunity for salvation. He provided guidance. He left us the Holy Spirit that we pray to and ask for help, and He'll show us the way. When we seek God's face, He will answer us. We talked about Philippians and the peace of God that passes all understanding 2 Timothy talks about he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love, peace, and a sound mind. And then in Matthew 5, it talks about a lot of blessings. They're called the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes I learned are from the Latin, beati sunt, and it means blessed are. I couldn't figure out why anybody called them the Beatitudes. There's no at" anything there. There's no attitude there. It just says blessed are, but that's what that means. It comes from the Latin, and it means blessed are. We have to recognize these blessings in our lives. We have to take hold of them. And then this is what we have to do. How do you possess the land? How do you possess what God has for you? I'm going to tell you, you just continue reading in in Deuteronomy 30. We started with verse 19, and he says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, he tells you what to do. Choose life. That both you and your descendants, I think sometimes we forget that God blesses our descendants as well. We see our kids struggling and going through stuff, and we begin to take on that fear, that panic, that worry, instead of remembering what God told us, like here in Deuteronomy. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God. That's number two. You need to love the Lord your God that you may obey His voice. You know, I was doing a little study on Deuteronomy, and obey worked back to the word listen. In Deuteronomy, it talks about listen. And listen had, had a more connotation than just hear what I'm saying. It went on to hear and obey. Hear and do. Put action to it. Don't just hear God, but do what God's asking you to do. And that you may cling to Him. For He is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Matthew 6 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You know, we have a choice today. Some of us are missing out on God's blessings, because we refuse to do things God's way. That's what happened to the first generation of Israelites. They missed out because they refused to do things God's way. They kept going back to their old ways, and eventually it cost them the promised land. Now, here's what's interesting. They didn't miss out on all the blessings of God. If you don't do it God's way every time, you're not going to miss out on all the blessings He has for you. Sometimes we have mercy and grace. They still got to see lots of miracles. They witnessed the parting of the Red Sea. They witnessed manna from heaven. They saw many miracles in their own time, but they missed out on the major blessing because they wouldn't do it God's way. Sometimes we refuse to learn from our mistakes and apply that knowledge to future tests. You know, recently I failed one of those tests. Dad asked me to help out with Mama this past week and take her to the doctor. That didn't bother me. I I don't mind helping out. But the reason he needed me help out was because he had scheduled grocery pickup. That irritated me. Mama's appointment had been on the books for a while. He knew when her appointment was. He could have easily put that grocery appointment for some other time. So it irritated me badly. I'm going to give you the short version of this story. Because I told you I failed the test. Okay. The short version is this right here. It was more about the fact he was taking care of Grandam as well, Papa Herman. It wasn't just him getting groceries for himself. And with the stores the way they are, that's the only time he could work things out to get it. And unfortunately, it overlapped, and that's why he was asking for my help. And I learned something about myself because I started getting irritated, and I didn't really know why I was getting irritated. It It wasn't that big a deal. I had the time. I could take her up to the doctor. Who cares what Dad had to do? It doesn't matter. But for some reason, it got all over me. And I began to pray about that and ask God why, and he revealed this to me. He said, because you don't mind helping out as long as it's helping out on your terms. What you've got to get better at doing is helping out on my terms. See, I was helping out on my terms, Herman's terms, instead of God's terms. See, when we help out in God's terms, we don't think about the why. We just do it. I need your help with this. Done, I'm there. Didn't you know why? No, sir. Why? Because I'm serving. I need to be a servant. Servant doesn't necessarily get to ask why. See, I was having a problem because I wasn't in control. Some of us miss out because we don't learn from our mistakes. The good news about that is, this is what I heard God say to me. Let me. I'm sorry, I didn't tell you the rest of the story. I get over to mama's house. Sorry, that was an important part here. I get over to mama's house. The short version of this is they had changed her appointment to a virtual appointment. The funny thing is mama didn't realize that's what it was. Thankfully, as we're headed out the door to drive up to the doctor's office, they called to verify information. And mother tells them, yes, we're headed up there now. And the young lady you could tell was kind of dumbfounded. She said, ma'am, you don't have to come up here. You just get online from home. She goes, really? I didn't even have to go over there at all. And then that's when it hit me. I failed the test. God knew that was going to work out that way from the beginning. He knew I wasn't really going to have to spend much of my day dealing with another situation. But I was doing it in my own strength instead of God's. And all I heard him say is, you failed. I thought, well, oh, that's kind of rude. But I knew what he was saying. He wasn't insulting me. It was a test. And I'd failed that particular test. The good news is, I can promise you I'm going to get tested again. Matter of fact, he revealed to me that the tests never stop coming. The trials and tribulations never stop coming. What happens is we learn how to navigate those trials and tribulations. Let me tell you one other story here and then I'll close. I taught mathematics for 15 and a half years. Mostly in the 8th grade. And by the time students got to me in the 8th grade, they were already at a, at a I hate math attitude. They would tell me constantly, I'm no good at math. I hate math. I can't do math. I'd spend the first three months trying to deprogram them. And this is the way I would do it. I would remind them that there was a time in their life that they could do math. For example, if I gave you a kindergarten level test of math skills, would you pass that? And they would always look at me, roll their eyes and go, of course I'd pass a kindergarten math test. So how about a first grade math test? Well, yeah, I could pass the first grade math test and I'd do so on and so forth until they got to a point where they were like, I don't know if I could do that one. And I would reveal to them that's the problem. You can do math. You just hit a certain level where you struggled and you haven't made it past that level. The cool thing is your brain has continued to grow, and I bet if we went back to that skill, you'd learn it, and guess what? We would do that, and guess what they would do? They would learn that skill. And it would open their eyes, and they would begin to realize they're not bad at math. They just get stuck at different points. But what happened is they were extrapolating their hate of that moment. Their failure became everything in that story. They were no longer bad at sixth grade math. Now they were bad at all math. We do that as Christians too. We fail something, and we, we fail it again, and we fail it again, and we begin to say, I'm no good at that. Let's take prayer for instance. How many times have you prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed? Eventually we get to the point we believe nobody can get healed with us praying for them, and then sometimes we go so far as to think that we don't even need to bother this Christian life. We take it way too far. We had a skill we were struggling with. Tests are not meant to punish you. Tests are meant to assess you and to provide feedback to you. See, God tests us not because He doesn't love us, but He wants to provide feedback to you. The next time you fail a test from God, don't look at it as something you're just a horrible human being at. Look at it as a skill that you have a weakness at, and then get help for that weakness. If you can get help with yourself by praying and studying again, fine, so be it. But in school, sometimes kids needed tutors. In the Christian life, sometimes we need tutors. Sometimes we need mentors. Sometimes we need people to help us out of that weak area. We need people to help us move on to that next level. But just like the students who thought they were horrible at math and couldn't do any math, we do the same thing with Christianity. Don't do that. Today we've been talking about possessing God's blessings. And what I've been trying to do is lay out for you the blessings that God has for you. Max Lucado said, Gratitude lifts our eyes off the things we lack so we might see the blessings we possess. Today things in our world look bleak. There are many things we feel that we lack. But if we change our attitude of want into an attitude of thanks or rather an attitude of gratitude then just maybe we can begin to see all the things that God has done for us, all the things He's provided for us, all the blessings we truly have in our lives today. Thomas Goodwin said it this way, those blessings are sweetest that are one with prayer and worn with thanks. It's time we got to know our Lord and Savior better. It's time we pray more. It's time we start experiencing the blessings of God more and more in our lives. And I'll end with this right here, and then I want to pray for you. Another quote by Eugene Nathaniel Butler said, Sometimes we must look outside our own backyards to realize how big this world is and how blessed we are. Right now, there are nations that are way more affected by this coronavirus than we are, simply because they don't have the medical supplies and abilities to deal with it the way that we do. We're a very blessed nation and a very blessed people. We need to provide some hope to this world. We need to provide some love to this world. We need to show the world how to stand with God Almighty. Today, you have a choice. God has set before you life and death, blessing and curses. What will you choose? Father God, thank you so much for the choice. Father, thank you for the salvation. Thank you for the blessings that you provided us. Lord, forgive us for missing those blessings. Lord, forgive us for not seeing those blessings. Lord God, help us to draw closer to you. Let the desires in our heart for you build and grow and burn. Let that fire just consume us, Father, day and night. Lord, let us begin to see things your way. Let let your thoughts become our thoughts, God. Let your ways become our ways. Let your desires become our desires. Let your mindset become our mindset, Father God. Today we choose life, Father, and we choose blessings. Today we stand with you, Almighty God. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's SouthsideChristianFellowship.net As we wrap up today's message we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman an elder at Southside to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.